0: Kyoto Koto. I'm Joanna Hall, senior policy advisor here at the EMA, the Employers and Manufacturers Association. Uh, with me today, I have Lucas Sousa, who's the head of employer relationships at Malcolm Pacific Immigration, who are our immigration advisor partners at the EMA. Uh, A few weeks ago, we had a webinar with Immigration New Zealand around their new uh, post-accreditation compliance checks programme that they are currently rolling out. Uh, We had a huge amount of questions on there. We got through about 45 minutes worth of Q&A, which was um, a huge amount with still some left unanswered. Uh, So we thought that would be a great opportunity to get Lucas in today to have a bit of an open discussion um, around some of the things that employers need to be thinking about around these uh, post-accreditation compliance checks. Uh, So just a little bit of a disclaimer that this is not going to constitute any kind of immigration advice. This is just a bit of a broad discussion to give you some general things that you need to be thinking about within your business Um, and we do encourage that if you do have any specific questions that relate to your case uh, that you do reach out for help if you need it. Um, So, just to recap what the actual post accreditation checks are. uh, So, in essence, they are when you went through the accreditation process, which was step one of the three step. Process as part of the AEWV. Um, that was all declaration based, right? So you kind of ticked a lot of boxes, agreeing to certain things. Uh, and this is where immigration is actually going through um, and and checking that you've done what you've said that you do, or you have in place what you said you have in place. Um, obviously, we are supportive of a high trust model where employers are trusted to um, be be doing the things that they say they're going to do, and we do understand that. Um, you know there is a need for um, some you know the checking mechanism to be in place there. We just really want to make sure that employers um, are making sure that they've covered their bases uh, and they're not going to get caught out with any of these checks at all. Um, so far, uh, immigration New Zealand when we last caught up with them, they have um, started progress on on quite a few of the checks. Um, they have been taking it kind of slowly just to get a bit of a sense of, what information's needed and where they can get information from other sources without necessarily bothering um, the, the employer too much uh, because they understand that, um, you know, when, when employers get a a question or an email or a contact from Immigration mm-hmm. New Zealand asking for more information, it, it can often be um, a, little, a little tense on the part mm-hmm. of employers or it's also, you know, putting extra work on them to have to go away and find some stuff and come back. So they're conscious that they want to do it in a way that's as non-intrusive as possible Mm. Um, and yeah it'll be great to see how how that program of work goes I know they're aiming to get roughly 15% of all um, accreditations checked in any one year and yeah, we, we have asked to to be kept up to date to on any trends that they're seeing um, pop up as part of that mm-hmm. process, because um, then we can also look at you know what type of comms or education is needed to help support employers to make sure that they, you know, are compliant. Um, question, uh, just Lucas. Obviously, this is quite a new um, a new sis, a new pro- mm-hmm. process in the system. Um, What's your position on you know the approach that immigration new zealand is mm. is taking? How do you feel about it?
1: Look, e- exactly what you said, uh, Employer accreditation is a right that an employer has applied for, and in return, Immigration New Zealand allows that employer to support someone for a work visa. So a lot of employers, unfortunately, they have been treating that accreditation application as a tick box exercise, mm-hmm. and I think those employers that may be a little bit at risk are exactly the ones that just went ahead ticked boxes and not actually understood what some of those responsibilities and compliance they do need to do so it is quite important that if you have gone through accreditation or if you have migrants depending on your company that you do go back and you check exactly what you've ticked and ensure that you are complying with some of those promises you've made to the government
0: absolutely because we do want that high trust model right Uh, we do want employers to have the agency to you know Agree to certain things to to hire the migrants that yeah. they need, and they should be trusted to do so. Um, so we absolutely just want to make sure that um, employers, you know, are are playing their part as well, um, and equally making sure that they are not getting caught out. Um, from the feedback that um, Jeff gave in, in the webinar from Immigration New Zealand, um, he heads up the verification and compliance team. Uh, he, he did say that they were taking very much an education-based approach. Um, so where uh, any kind of slip-ups seemed um, you know, honest or one-off and employers had then gone on to rectify the situation, um, that would be met with a much more pragmatic okay, cool, you didn't do that but you fixed it and from going forward we know you've got a process in place. Um, so really their more punitive approach would only really come into play when um, you know uh, any kind of slip-up seems, not really a slip-up, it seems more systemic or intentional. Mm. Um, so I do think uh, that education approach... Is, is definitely the right yep. way to go about it, especially this, you know, this first year. Um, it's a new system. It'll take time for both employers and for I think the mm. Immigration New Zealand team to yep. kind of come to the right balance. Uh, but we, we are really we are really glad that they're, they're taking that approach.
1: Look, I, I do definitely agree. It's the first time that New Zealand employees has had to go through this new system of having to become accredited. Overseas, they do have a similar system. And I think when they first announced this accreditation system in New Zealand, it was a big shock for a lot of employers, not in cost-wise, but also it's another thing that you're adding to the list as a business owner that you need to be compliant. So it's great that they are being a little bit more graceful Although it is quite interesting because when you do read immigration policy on it, um, immigration policy does appear to be a lot more strict. If you don't comply with the things that you promised in that accreditation application, there will be issues. But you are right. As Jeff mentioned, they are going to be a little bit more graceful. And I think that employers should really be using that as an opportunity now to really get their ducks aligned before. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know. So and that's a really, really good point that you raised that Immigration New Zealand as per the actual policy, mm. they do have the power, right? Yep. If you don't do things the right way, that can be seen as a breach. Um, so I think employers do need to make sure they are taking this quite seriously, even though it was declaration based, yep. you could really easily tick those boxes. Um, you know, Immigration New Zealand does have the power if they wanted to exercise it to potentially come down a bit harder. Um, So I I do think we really do need to be taking it seriously. Uh, And yeah, as you say, this is a great time Mm. for employers to just make sure they've got their ducks in the the row and they're not going to be surprised by by anything.
1: And on that point as well, I think when a lot of employers at the time when the system came into place, their focus was, let's do this, let's do this, we need workers, we need workers. So the focus was always, we need to do this to be able to get the workers that we need as quickly as possible. So I don't think a lot of focus was actually um, put towards ticking those boxes. And that's what we always say. Uh, Get immigration advice. Sometimes, yes, it is correct. You may be able to go through and navigate the application forms yourself, but it's understanding what you're ticking. And now it's time. They're going to go and start checking and, you know, make sure you're doing everything correctly.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, in in the webinar, we did get a lot of questions. We noticed some themes coming through in the questions. Uh, a lot of it was around what types of evidence mm. businesses might need to provide uh, against some of the things that they've ticked that they they've agreed to. So, when Immigration New Zealand came out and advised. Um, Advise the public that they were going to start undertaking these checks. They did have in the email like a, a whole list of bullet points um, of different types of um, things that employers said that they would be able to provide um, that they're now they need to be able to mm. check that they can do so. Um, so it'd be really great, I um, I did I did ask you if we could kind of go through this list. Because we've got so many questions about evidence, I'd love to have a bit more of a chat around what are some of the different types of evidence for each of mm. these bullet points, keeping in mind as well what might be evidence for say a large employer um, may not be the type of evidence that a smaller employer can, can provide. Um, so I'd be really interested to get, to get your thoughts on that. Uh, so in terms of what types of things Mm. Immigration New Zealand will be checking. Um, can we, yeah, have a bit of a chat around? Yeah, e-
1: some of the things that Immigration New Zealand will be looking in those circumstances. What sort of contracts for work do you have coming up? Yeah. Um, what, how much capital in the bank? do you have um, to be able to invest in these projects? A good, strong business plan, you know, comments, letters from accountants about the viability of the future business. Um, That's all really important stuff that smaller, newer businesses do need to demonstrate. Um, With businesses that have been trading for a while, there is a declaration on the accreditation application whether or not you've made a loss in the last 24 months. Obviously, we've had we've just recovered from COVID and some of us are still recovering from COVID. So I do understand that in that question, some businesses may have had a loss, but also as well, demonstrating the last six months is that how are you going on that recovery stage of things? So just demonstrating, you know, financial reports, again, letters from accountants, upcoming work. So being financially viable doesn't necessarily mean that you are profitable. It just means that you are able to balance, you know, funds coming in that you are gonna be able to pay employees pay expenses and that's what really Immigration New Zealand are looking for. Yeah. So you can get quite creative in terms of the documentation you need, you know, um, IRD returns, PAYE, um, you know, bank accounts, statements from accountants, again, evidence of future contract, good uh, business plan. I think those are all good things that you can demonstrate. It just
0: depends what. Yeah. The structure of your yep, business correct, is like how correct, new you are, correct. and yeah, what kind of things you might be looking for, um, and I, I think yeah, it, it comes down to the purpose is what they want to see yep. is that. You have enough money in the bank. Correct. But if you were to hire a migrant, exactly. you can pay them, right? Exactly. And you can look after them, and it's not going to be kind of a short-term.
1: And, and, and I think it's fair. Remember that you've obtained accreditation to be able to bring a migrant worker from overseas into New Zealand. Yeah. So if the business is not financially viable, and you have this candidate that's directly supported by your company what's going to happen if that candidate can't get paid? Yeah. So it is a genuine concern from Immigration Absolutely. New Zealand, I think it's fair.
0: Yeah. Um, some of the other things that they they asked about, they, um, they asked about the evidence of PAYE payments mm. to migrant employees. I think that's really easy to deliver on, yep. pretty straightforward. Would and, you agree?
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think one of the reasons as well they will be checking on this is uh, remember that If you have an accredited employer work visa holder working for you, they do need to be an employee, Mm. not a contractor. Someone cannot be self-employed and holding this visa at the same time. So I think it is a general check. You know, if they they are PAYE, then they are an employee, and that makes it quite clear for Immigration New Zealand.
0: Yeah, cool. Um, one of the other bullet points that's quite interesting actually is evidence of how offshore recruitment agents uh, of their migrant employees were paid. Um, and yeah, it'd be really interesting to understand a little bit more around obviously what type of evidence. But why why is Immigration mm. New Zealand wanting to wanting to see this?
1: Look, I think I think this is excellent. Again, that they will be looking at this. Remember that this new accreditation system is increased cost for businesses and. I think some people, you know, they try to be sneaky in Immigration New Zealand are really looking into those businesses that are passing on costs to migrant laborers. You know, in, in New Zealand, it's quite fortunate, it's illegal for someone to be paying to receive a job. However, unfortunately, that is not the practice that happens overseas in a lot of mm-hmm. countries. Historically, it, it's been known that a lot of uh, migrants coming in. Paid an overseas recruiter thousands of dollars in order to be connected with a job here and that's not allowed. So if you are using offshore recruitment agents, it's really important that it is quite clear that the employer is paying for the recruitment of those candidates and that those candidates are not paying the recruiter uh you know, big amounts of funds in order to be connected. So I think it's just a compliance to ensure that employers are not passing on costs. Um, uh, People on visas in New Zealand are susceptible to being exploited quite easily. um, And it's just ensuring that employers aren't exploiting uh, people coming in.
0: Is there a possibility, for example, that um, where, say, the employer would not actually be aware that if they, if they had gotten a, an agent from offshore, would they? is there a chance that they might not be aware that that agent is, is doing those kinds of practices?
1: There is a possibility that that can happen. Um, however, remember, an employer just has to do what they can to demonstrate they are compliant as possible. So if you have paid... Uh, For assistance for overseas recruitment, you know, where's evidence of a receipt of how much those fees cost? Are those fees uh, fair, for example? And if you've got evidence of those receipts from those recruiters, then, you know, having that on file somewhere to demonstrate to Immigration New Zealand. But also as well, when a migrant worker is coming into New Zealand, there is that aspect that we'll talk later on about the settlement support Mm. activities, just demonstrating helping accredited employee work visas realize what their employment rights are Mm. and what their employment law in New Zealand is and I think through that is an opportunity for you know employees to really discover okay was this person exploited on their way to New Zealand or not Mm. Um, but again coming back to the employer's responsibility it's about can you demonstrate that you're not passing on those costs
0: yeah cool um the hiring dates of migrant employees are uh, that's pretty self-explanatory and quite easy to provide evidence for uh, but the employee and the employer um, modules that mm. you just mentioned on um, on New Zealand employment law we got a ton of questions yeah. in, in the webinar about those as well both from um, the perspective of challenges around getting the migrant to do it within that first month um, and, you know, what evidence you need to be providing as an employer. But then also from the um, employer's perspective, getting the hiring managers to do it, there was quite a lot of comments as well or questions around um, where does the definition of a hiring manager start and stop? Mm. So I wonder if we could touch on on those two aspects.
1: Yeah, look, with the uh, starting dates... um, for migrant employees coming in, that is quite important because in policy, the date that an employee starts, then that first 30 days for them to have the opportunity to complete the employment New Zealand modules and be given the settlement support information from the employers are quite important. And policy does say that migrant employees need to do or have the ability or opportunity to do that information within the first 30 days. Um, and as a result of the webinar, I think it was quite alleviating to hear that Immigration New Zealand, it, it appears they're not going to be so strict with it. Um, but just because they're not going to be strict with them, make sure that you as an employer you are providing, one, well, keeping records of when migrant workers are starting and providing that information or the opportunity for migrants to undertake the employment is your modules within the first uh, 30 days.
0: And there's quite a difference in there that Jeff made really clear. There's a difference between evidence that the employee has completed the modules versus evidence that you've provided the opportunity to do the modules. So I think an employer had asked um, you know if, if the employee, you know we've made all best efforts to get them to do it, um, if the employee can't do it, what the, what the, what type of evidence do we provide then? because obviously whenever an, anyone thinks evidence they're like oh great okay we'll just get the certificate of completion from the modules or whatever you get at the end Um, but if the employee is not necessarily completing them how would you what what type of evidence can an employer give
1: yeah look if in policy it says that employers need to give the opportunity for the migrant employees to undertake the modules during paid work hours. So I think an email, an evidence of that email, agreeing to, hey, Mr. Employee, these are the hours and days that you have available to complete ABC modules. That's enough, because remembering that accreditation is very much about the employer's efforts. Now, if the employee has not done those modules, then it no longer, according to policy, falls within the responsibility of the employer. The responsibility of the employer is ensuring that those key persons and hiring managers have completed the hiring manager Mm. employer New Zealand modules, but the migrant employees, they don't actually need to complete it. Employees just need to demonstrate that they've given the opportunity during paid hours for those employees to complete it. So at the that's end of the day, they, can't, for, they can't force them, correct. right? Correct, correct, correct. Um,
0: so it's that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. That's a really, really good, um, good point.
1: So I think yeah, an email evidence is great. Keeping that on someone's file. If the migrant employee has done uh, the Employment New Zealand modules, then it does pump out a certificate at the end. Keeping that certificate on their file in case Immigration New Zealand knocks on your door. Which, as you said, the chance of that happening apparently is quite slim Um, but if that does happen at least you can open up a migrant employees file and all those certificates will be there it will have the date which will coincide within the 30 days of that migrant employee starting employment and tick you're good on that
0: one awesome so in terms of hiring managers and we we had a bit of a chat around uh, I think it's especially hard for Larger size businesses, where you may have multiple different teams that have different um, hiring managers. So, and there was quite a few questions around: Yeah, where does that start and stop? If you're hiring a migrant for a certain team, would another hiring manager in the business still have to be doing it? Right?
1: Yeah. Look, it's that that's quite interesting. In immigration policy, they're calling uh, these people key persons. Okay. Um, and the definition of key persons. It does in policy. It starts off being quite specific, you know, to the directors, CEOs, and then it starts to become quite broad, where anyone who has some sort of authority over a team or over hiring someone uh, can potentially fall into that definition. So it's been quite problematic for larger employers where there are. 200 team managers who are involved in the hiring of staff Mm. to any extent. Um, And I think in those circumstances, it's particularly difficult. Uh, However, moving a little bit further into the system, uh, key persons undertaking the employer modules from Employment New Zealand, it is anyone who's making um, hiring decisions, anyone who is involved with the day-to-day running of Employees who are on visas should be completing those employment New Zealand modules. Again, we don't have too much clarity about immigration from Immigration New Zealand about how strict they are going to be with it Mm. um, from that webinar. Jeff did mention that he will be quite disappointed if hiring managers aren't completing those Employment New Zealand modules within 12 months. The reason why it's 12 months, an employer does have 12 months to complete those Employment New Zealand modules. Some employees that I've spoken with have said that they're quite quickly and quite easy to do. Others have said that it's taking about eight hours for a hiring manager wow. slash key person to undertake those modules. Um, but I think 12 months is sufficient time for a key person to put a day aside to do them. And that's what Immigration New Zealand really wants uh, you to be doing.
0: They did say as well that if there was any kind of larger businesses, as you say, where there's potentially multiple hiring managers and some may not actually be interacting with those migrants, that if there was any kind of uncertainty, they could talk it through, um, call the employer helpline, Uh, the Immigration New Zealand one, uh, and they'd be able to kind of talk through it and take it on a bit of a case-by-case basis, because they did acknowledge that, yeah, for larger larger scale companies, um, it could be a massive undertaking uh, if that scope is for everyone involved in hiring decisions, so absolutely. Yeah,
1: look, and every business is quite different as well, so it is a case-by-case situation, and if you are unsure... And you're welcome to ask for help from Immigration Zealand, like you said, and we're also available as well to have a chat and kind of walk through based on practice, what other types of businesses have done, what mm. would potentially fall into that key person definition, what would not.
0: Because you'll be getting feedback from Immigration New Zealand all the time, right? Correct, correct.
1: And we're lodging applications all the time. We're getting questions from Immigration New Zealand all the time. And we are able to establish, I think, where that fine line is, depending on what your unique circumstance is. Um, But I always say, be a little bit more conservative. If someone has day-to-day control of migrant workers in a workplace, I would be recommending them to do those hiring manager employment New Zealand modules anyway. I mean, yeah. you've got 12 months to do it. I'm sure you can put some time aside.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, so kind of keeping in the same vein uh, around what needs to be provided to the migrant um, within the first 30 days of, of them starting, um, what type of evidence should be available around um, that settlement support being provided to migrants?
1: Yeah, look, um, settlement support information is everywhere. I think Immigration New Zealand has quite a few different PDFs and information on their website, um, and there's a couple of things that falls into those settlement support information. An example of that is how to open a bank account, how to apply for an IRD number. And again, as Immigration New Zealand did state on their webinar, an email is sufficient, Um, We always say, you know, if you do have a training schedule for someone that has started um, into a business, that can be recorded into there as well, you know, with a date as to when that was done. Um, At Malcolm Pacific, we've got this really cool platform where someone can go in and they can do the settlement support activity that also pumps out a certificate and that's used as a record keeping as well. So it is any way you can get creative showing that you've provided the migrant worker with that opportunity and information. and Again, that's quite readily available on the internet and the Immigration New Zealand website. So if you've got that record via email, that is sufficient. You do not need to handhold the migrant worker and actually ensure they're doing it. Again, it's just providing them, the rest is on them.
0: Yeah, and there may not even be any actions or activities the migrant needs to take off the back of you giving them this stuff. It's just making sure that they've got the information, that they're prepared to, um, you know, take part in life in New Zealand, um, especially, you know, in, in your contextual situation as an employer based on potentially where you operate, Uh, maybe you're rural, maybe you're in a big city like Auckland, Um, you know, what are the different nuances uh, that they might find coming into New Zealand working for you that they can best prepare themselves with?
1: And I think remember as well, you've just hired someone who's from overseas that's potentially never been to New Zealand before, and I'm sure you have very long-term plans for that worker and you do want to retain them. So part of that is giving them as much information as possible to, um, you know, get used to what life is like in New Zealand and how the system works. Um, And I think it's a great employer-to-employee activity as well, you know, having the ability to sit down. I even say, I I, I spoke with an employer the other day, and part of uh, the evidence that they provided is a catch up meeting minutes uh, that where they sat with the employee, discussed several matters, and provided those th- that information to the employee. And I think that was excellent.
0: Yeah, cool. One of the other bullet points that um, I know will create. Um, a few hurdles for some employers is the logs of hours worked by migrant workers and absolutely you know that that will probably be quite simple for employers where the migrant is on an hourly rate to provide yeah. um, or in industries where you know by law they're required to keep a, a log um, however it does, Speak some questions around salaried employees yeah. and what that means means for them.
1: Look, I think that's going to be a super interesting one as we move forward. Like you did mention, there are certain industries where a logbook is required, you know, such as truck drivers, um, keeping up a record of how the hours that they've driven. However, when it does come to salaried employees that I know of, it hasn't been common practice that people clock in and clock out when they're on a salary. But again, I do see where Immigration New Zealand is coming from. And this is to ensure that, for example, an employer is not forcing an employee to work 80 hour weeks for a $60,000 salary. Um, And if you have gone through this process and you have hired someone who's on a salary, you probably would have experienced that Immigration New Zealand uh, do come back on employment agreements, ensuring that there's a maximum hours clause Mm. for salaried employees and what happens if those employees work beyond those maximum hours. So I think in circumstances where you know that you are hiring a role where a salaried employee may be working more than the maximum hours, that you potentially do have a tracking system of how many hours have gone over. And I think that's going to be a new area that a lot of businesses will mm-hmm. be experiencing. And I'm. <laughs> Quite excited to see, I think, what the result of that will be because it is hard, and I think historically it's not something that's been normal practice for salaried employees to keep track of their hours.
0: And it's one of those tricky areas where immigration law and employment law absolutely overlap. Yeah. Um, so, we are seeking clarification from Immigration New Zealand just around the practicalities yeah. of what an employer is expected to provide, uh, but equally. When we do get that, we'll we'll be consulting with our legal team here at the EMA uh, just to talk about how in in practice that would work. So once we kind of get further guidance on that, we can absolutely talk a little bit more. But um, I can can absolutely see Mm. that many employers that are used to just having salary people, um, that may be a little tricky for them to be providing.
1: Look, and I think in these areas that are a little bit tricky, it's all about you as an employer demonstrating your efforts to document. Now, that may not be perfect to begin with, but as long as you have some sort of evidence or record that you have had such discussions or you have implemented a system in place to allow salaried employees to, you know, track their hours beyond the maximum hours recorded. I think if you've, you know, as long as you've tried, I think initially, hopefully Immigration New Zealand will accept that as some sort of effort for now. Because, again, this is the first year that New Zealand has started in this Mm -hmm. accreditation system, so
0: because in the um in the job check they 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 were very clear that they wanted to see as you said maximum hours yep. worked and what are the overtime provisions if any additional hours were worked even if it was an under a salary role so that does kind of then lead lead on to you probably should be thinking about what's your system yep. to be checking have you done any overtime this week how are you it's I don't I would hope that it's not necessarily tracking down to the hour, uh, because that kind of defeats the purpose of having someone on a salary, yeah. but equally, absolutely echo your points around the wanting to make sure that you know they're not doing maximum every week or over maximum and yeah. getting into the hours consistently. Um, so I, I would hope that they we can come back with some really clear guidance on this, and I, I would hope as well that Immigration New Zealand are quite uh, pragmatic around Mm. how this will actually play Mm. out for employers.
1: And look, remember as well that this whole system is about trying to reduce exploitation. So again, if you are an employer that does the right things, this is not gonna be too much of an issue. Yes, a couple of tweaks here and there, but it is just trying to capture those employers who are saying something on paper and trying to exploit the migrant for more in practice. So, yeah, look, it's 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 going to be interesting. Um, one thing I do want to point out that does come up in the job check and the reason why Immigration New Zealand are going to be looking at this is in circumstance of salaried employees where there is a maximum hours clause, Immigration New Zealand does calculate whatever the maximum hours is against the salary that someone is mm-hmm. offered. So if normal practice is for someone to be working 40 hours a week, for example, earning $60,000 per annum, but there is a maximum hour clause of up to 45 hours per week, Immigration New Zealand will get that 45 and put it against the 60,000 and see whether or not it still meets the median wage. Yeah,
0: and you can't go below that. You
1: cannot go below the median wage, whatever that calculation is. So maximum hour clauses are being asked for, but mm. whatever the maximum hour is, make sure that it doesn't uh, work out to being below the median wage.
0: Interesting. So we've reached out to Immigration New Zealand also just to clarify Um you know, how will employers know if they're having a check done on them? Mm. Will they get, um, because they have said that, you know, employers hopefully will not actually be disturbed by this process. Um, they should be able to get the majority of the information that they need without bothering the employer, and they might just need to come back to them at the end to request, you know, the stuff that they couldn't find out by themselves. Um, if they can find everything uh, and it all looks good, the employer may actually never know mm. that a check has been done on them, which is which is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, and if there is any actions needed, um, the employer will get a letter from Immigration New Zealand around, um, you know, some of the things that need to be done. There is there is a chance that Immigration New Zealand might actually conduct some site visits. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh and one of the areas that they have flagged um not necessarily of, of high concern, but they they are aware of uh, is that there may be some um, employers that are on standard or high volume mm. standard accreditation uh, where they should actually be on the franchise mm. or the um, third controlling party accreditation type. Uh, so and that's definitely one where they would want to see that um, some action on that really, really quickly, and they'd also probably want to see that that was not necessarily intentional. Mm. Um, so I, I do think any employers that are in that situation should be um, should be making sure all their ducks are in a row and proactively reaching out um, mm. if they're not sure, because they, you know, the, the target is 15% in any one year. Um, apparently it will be a sample across the accreditation types uh, but given they have highlighted on that webinar that there are some employers that potentially may have the wrong accreditation type yep. I think that's definitely one for um, for em- employers in that position where they might not be sure to be doing some double-checking pretty quick mm. smart.
1: And I agree look I think that standard and high-volume accreditation does tend to be quite black and white um, however the more riskier types of accreditation as Immigration New Zealand defines them, which are the franchise and triangular agreement accreditation. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's been very clear definitions out there, but every business is quite unique. So I can see how there will be difficulties and potentially businesses that have done accreditation themselves potentially obtained the incorrect accreditation, Mm. and it'll be interesting as well what those numbers look like, Um, because I think triangular agreement accreditation type employers, they aren't that many.
0: Yeah, there's not a huge amount compared to the overall accreditations. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so it would be quite interesting, yeah, what what the result of those checks are. But if I was everyone across from standard, uh, you know, high volume franchisee triangular agreement, everyone to really be preparing now Mm. to the extent that Immigration New Zealand may just knock on your door. We were talking earlier that it, you know, potentially it's all gonna be checks from the desk. Yeah. um, And that you may not get a visit, but that may be the case for now, but in the future that may not be the case. Absolutely. Um, So prepare yourself, making sure that you're going back, rereading the questions that you ticked in that accreditation application.
0: They've got that checklist on the website, you can go through that.
1: Yeah, making sure that from all those bullet points on the website that you do have some sort of evidence to cover yourself because if anyone walks in, you can pull it out quite easily. And um, Jeff did mention that uh, in case you can't provide an evidence immediately that Immigration New Zealand was gonna be providing with a grace period to do that. So I thought that was quite nice.
0: Yeah, and I think they are acknowledging that you know this is the first time that yep. they're going through this new process, um, and you know if it's not um, systemic or intentional, yep. where or leading to exploitation, um, you know they they are they do seem very willing to have a conversation about your situation and to make sure that you're doing the right thing and have the right kind of processes in place going forward. Yeah. Um. So absolutely, I I think. Um, if that's the approach they're going to take which we we hope it is um, I think definitely employers need to be checking now the accreditation checklist yep. if you haven't done something do it now and get the evidence that you've done it you know make sure that you've got the processes going forward so that if they did come to you and say hey this didn't happen then you can give that to them um, and if you need help reach out right mm. so you know there's the Immigration New Zealand employer helpline um, that that's on their website. Um, we obviously have mm. you guys as our immigration advisor partners, so um, Malcolm Pacific are our member rewards partners, so our EMA members do actually get a discount mm-hmm. um, with your team and your team can provide other services like coming in and talking to your HR teams and yep. other things like that, which could be really really helpful actually going through this process. Um, and you can also call our EMA advice line, especially if you've got quick questions that relate to potentially some of the employment relations mm-hmm. part of of the um, of the of the accreditation system, uh, obviously my role is to be that in between between our members and government. So we are always um, looking to get mm. feedback around how you are finding any of your immigration issues, um, and yeah, we'll be really really keen and watching really closely to see how this process plays out.
1: Yeah, look, and we are too, um, and I think just a warning to employers while Immigration New Zealand are saying that they are going to be quite graceful and understanding. I think that as soon as you're telling an employer that they tend to relax a little bit, make sure you're doing what you promised. And if you've got evidence to back it up, you'll be fine.
0: Yeah, This needs to be taken seriously yep. but uh, we know our members are great employers yep. so I'm sure you'll all be fine um, but yeah just I just wanted to say thanks for coming in to Thank have you. a chat today Lucas, it's been really good to just discuss in a bit more detail um, this is a really interesting new process uh, it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out mm. um, and yeah I, I, do, I do think our members will probably have some more questions yep. that we can uh, help them with at a later date uh, so just a bit of a Disclaimer again that this has not been immigration advice, Uh, this was really intended just to be um, a quite open discussion Uh, and if you do need any support, absolutely we're here to help you.